Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikpour. And we are reading another graphic novel by Jaime Hernandez, Is This How You See Me? Another great story about Maggie and Hopi. Mm-hmm. Man, Amir, I just love Jaime Hernandez. Not That's not a great revelation, I realize. We've talked about this so many times. My God, that man can tell a story. He's so good at I don't know. I don't know if it's him. It's an editor. I'm sure it's him. He's so good at like closing it, you know, like ending the story where it's like a satisfying graphic novel. It's pretty cool. So many points in between, everything just feels right too. I mean, the whole the whole way. So you, if you haven't read this, you, there's going to be spoilers and. Um, we're going to talk about the book the whole way through. It's about Maggie and Hopi planning and then going to this reunion with their punk rock friends. And then basically how the reunion goes kind of differently than they expect, right? That's a good way of putting it, I think. Mm-hmm. And all that feels so true to life. Like Hernandez avoids all the cliches to me. He just kind of, um, he allows the story to kind of follow more the way it goes in real life where you go to an event and it's fun at times, awkward at other times, you know, some people, you don't know other people. Like it, it all comes down to these, this amazing way he draws the human relationships together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, somebody, I mean, I love Jaime's work. I love his art. I love his storytelling. Now I've, I've, I've become, I started to fall in love with his, writing now because i'm reading more with as a result of you know you know but i basically have all of his work for as much as i can get my hands on just because just his art has been always something that i've always loved and admired but now just kind of going through the storytelling it's that's obviously like i'm I'm finding out what everybody else knew as well from that (laughs) standpoint and you know i i will say this this is a what i'm so happy about this book is that this is a continuation of love bunglers which we already read and talked about and as a result of having read you know i'm not as equipped as a as a well versed as you are in love and rockets you know i have a lot of the books and i think this podcast has given me the luxury of going through and reading all these love rockets that i've done with you but I'm grateful that we did go through Love Bunglers because to me, this is almost like a continuation, not a sequel, but a continuation of that story. Mm-hmm. And it also confirms, not confirms, but really like sets sets up like what the ending for that book was. Because to me, that book I thought was like a dream sequence type of thing. Whereas in this book says, no, no, no. You know, uh, she did, uh, Ray and Maggie did, get together and what happened like ray didn't get hurt too bad and you know so anyway yeah he recovered maybe he did get hurt but he he recovered and um i will say one thing about this story is that i probably would not have enjoyed it as much had i not read love bunglers yeah i think it, it really builds on on what we got in love bunglers and everything just resonates us a little bit more because of that Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. a whole bit in one of Ray's little vignettes where he talks about how Maggie helping him through his recovery um, and the fights they had when Maggie told the truth about her brother beating him up um, ended up becoming 
her and him against the world. Mm -hmm. And I find that so moving mm -hmm. about, you know, the, the tenacity of their relationship and how, uh, mm -hmm. how you just can't predict how things are going to go emotionally. Yeah, yeah it was, it, I, yeah. I, I think one of the questions I had for you, because, you know, we go back and forth between future and the past, you know, past and future, or not future, present and the past. I'm wondering, some of the stories that are brought in, are they new stories that he's writing about the past? Or are they like, like issue one, volume one, you know, one story, and then a current one? Like, is it all in sequence? Or for like, what's your... Well, the comic started with this kind of the short answer is no. It, it's really a lot about like the memory of these events and how they change over time, how your oh, perception no. of these events change over time. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, I understand that. No, what I was asking is like from an editor perspective, like putting together the stories, are these new stories that he created or some of, I know some of them are new, like the present day, like the, they're going to the rock show. That's stuff I've seen with some of the newer volumes of love and rockets but the older stories are they also from new volumes or like the past or are they do you recognize them from past stories like back in the 80s or 90s or early 2000s no i mean i don't recognize the actual stories from like when they're hanging out at that scummy guy scummy drug, drug dealer's house and stuff okay. so um, I, I remember certain sequences around some of that stuff mm -hmm. and i certainly remember the characters um, but I, I don't remember ever seeing everything presented, you know, in this way. Got it. Okay, so these are all new stories. I'm just curious, having not, you know, gone through all the whole catalog. I'm wondering if, as an editor, he's going in there and like, oh, let me, I got to bring this in to explain a little bit more, or it's just new, new, new stories come up from the past. Yeah, I think it, it's more new stories coming up from the past, oh, um, or a different approach to a story that was told in the past. Right. Right. Because I love those past sequences in the sense that, like, the reason I love it, it doesn't mean it was happy stories, but it was, like, like that scummy guy, the drug dealer that, like, is interesting how, like, you see the, the fat, you know, the overweight drug dealer guy with the long hair. I forget his name. But um, I've encountered him in other stories. I think he was in Love Bunglers, too, and you didn't, he seemed harmless. Mm -hmm. And then you see him in this book and you're like, oh my God, he took advantage of a lot of underage girls and he was a drug dealer and he sold hard drugs and the guy's still around, you know? And it's just like, and um, I, I will say one thing, maybe I'm all over the place. I do feel like, you know, Jaime, this is not a superhero story, but in reality, it's very similar to superhero stories because you, you can, um, like Maggie is like, she's like she's locked out on a lot of things that could have gone horribly for her yeah and and she was almost kind of like everybody treated her i mean you know again like i'm kind of coming to this new but i noticed that like she's the one that everybody loves or she's like the 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 cutesy person that everybody like reveres and hopi is the one that everybody just bashes on like in that stent like when the drug dealer is like yeah i don't care if you go and get hurt you know you get beat up in tijuana or get raped just deliver this thing 
yeah. and then Maggie, no, 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 Maggie, don't do it because you know even the drug dealer like doesn't, and and it's really sad, you know, you kind of and then what's interesting, it kind of shows too a little bit because while um, I don't know, it's just beautiful storytelling is that you see like. Um, Hopi looks older and Maggie maybe it's because she's chubby or whatever but it just but it, you you kind of it's constantly endearing that you see like Hopi does have a wife now and a kid and her life is even though in a lot of ways her life was really hard and people didn't treat her well she ended up okay you know and this is yeah. kind of like a I don't know if it's a redemption that's I don't think that's the right word for it but it's just kind of it's really beautiful to see like she's like she's kind of like the one that everybody not everybody but at least in this story people bashed on and then now she has like a actually like a semblance of a really beautiful family and like a wife that cares about her and a baby or a kid that looks forward to her and in a lot of ways like I don't know it's it's pretty interesting because you look at Maggie and Maggie had a hard life but not as hard as Hopi and she's still kind of struggling in some ways yeah, Meg's life was not easy when she was a kid, no, no, right? No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I thought it was, go ahead. dodged a lot of things that could have gone wrong. Yeah, yeah. including some stuff we see here, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she could have, she could have had mental illness like her brother did too, right? She could have, right. if she hadn't landed on this scene, it really the scene kind of helped her create her own life for herself. And it's yeah. her, her deep love for, Hopi and all their other friends that really gave her an opportunity to, to an opportunity, a, some redemption in her life, mm-hmm. something positive in her life when she really needed it. Um, she does. I, th- I was struck with, as you were talking about really talking beautifully about Maggie's growth, about how she was the one that at the reunion, people had trouble remembering yeah Hopi was the one that stuck in everybody's minds yeah um and maggie felt a little bit like an outsider which was really interesting yeah maggie i mean Hopi was the one that made the impact she's the one that closed out the show you know yeah yeah and and yet uh you know maggie was the one everyone liked at the time mm-hmm so it's like an interesting kind of, but, I don't know, an inversion or something. But to your point, which is what I love, and I didn't recognize this. I mean, I felt it, but didn't recognize it, is that it's not cliche. It's not like, oh, you know, the, the cheerleader is not popular anymore. And then the person who was the nerd is like, everybody loves her, you know? It's like, no, like Maggie kind of like being the cheerleader is like, she has a decent life she you could see that she her she actually has aged a little bit better mm-hmm. opie had a rougher life they both had rough lives but she has a beautiful life but it's not like they're both superstars now or hopi is like a billionaire like you know steve jobs s you know it's like it's like they have their own life it's still hard um but you know one is actually like living a good life and they're both living good lives you know maggie has a, a somebody she's in love with i think and they're so relatable, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I told you this before. Like, I am literally the same age as, as these two people. Like, they could have been in my high school class. Mm-hmm. And I feel so much resonance with, like, the people who I was friends with when I was in high school and college and 
going to shows and stuff. And then, you know, you kind of wonder how everyone turned out. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the most striking things to me, one of the biggest lessons is that uh, people mostly turn out okay. People kind of always seem to find their own particular way to be, to find their happiness. All this drama that you have can actually be pushed to the side. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. But it's that drama that makes the, the youthful year so wonderful. Yeah. I, I mean, the, yeah. go ahead. No, go ahead. My favorite scene in the entire book, the most, the, the most perfect moment is at the bottom of page 82, final panel. So Maggie and Hopi are walking around this part. It's like the, a shopping mall, right? An out, outdoor mall or something. And up in the back of a club or something. And then they kiss. And then the tear drop, starts to fall from that's Hopi's eye, mm-hmm. Maggie's eye. And she looks at, at us. And it's this moment of like perfection. And the two of them really were this perfect gem together, mm-hmm. this perfect connection with each other. And it's just this like moment that's so incredible. And that's the kind of moment that, you know, you look back on your childhood, your youth, I shouldn't say childhood, your adolescence, and you're like, in that moment with everything else that was a problem, we were perfect. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a uh, Hopi crying, right? And it is she, Hopi crying, yeah. She was the one that got a little bit of an inheritance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. She's going to go on the never-ending trip on the greyhounds, it, which is funny. Yeah, a tiny bit of a reference to Hopi traveling with the band La La Yarana, you know, and a few of the issues in the late '80s, which she wow. hated and abandoned the, the tour because it was uh, so hard on her. And then, of course, Jaime undercuts it the very next page where they uh, feel like they're being tracked or um, followed by the creepy guy from the movie theater. Yeah, so it's so funny about that scene, that next story, or that next part of that story, the next scene, is that I remember reading that in the in the quarterly books that they put out. And I was like, what the hell is this all about? This is boring. And it's just like... I'm glad that I was able to read it in this context with like, it makes a lot of sense. It's like without the previous stories, without, I think I didn't read the previous issue, which were stats, previous issues or like it was all over the place. And um, it puts that into um, the whole thing, like their youth, how, what they went through. I mean, there is some, that crummy guy, the drug dealer, I forget what his name is, um, but the drug dealer, like having been exposed and they all they had was each other. And sometimes they got lucky, sometimes they didn't. Sometimes they got lucky, they ran into that, like, you know, the, the weird couple, the girl, and which is how they got rid of the Eugene guy, the creepy guy. Mm-hmm. And then, so it's just kind of interesting how like they were still together. I hope they still stick together. I don't know how they're doing now. I guess we'll find out if we read the next volume. Yeah, I've fallen behind in my reading. I don't know how they couldn't stay friends, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you combine this with the, the one we haven't read, The Miseducation of Hopi Glass, I mean, it, Hopi Glass is a lot about them kind of getting to know each other again mm-hmm. and this bond. 
What do you think of the way their friendship is presented in this book? Um, I think there's a little bit of a, I don't know, I felt a tinge of romance having not really, I mean, I know they were, they, they were together in the past. It's like, there was like moments, there's a lot of comfort, like they're just without clothes in front of each other. But also like, there's a little bit of like, I don't know, I felt a little bit of like, they still have those like residual feelings, like romantic feelings from the past a little bit. Yeah. Not too much, not overt. And you could probably miss it. And maybe I'm imagining some of it. No, but it's there. It's there they because love. it's in that early scene where Maggie comes out of the bathroom and she's only wearing her underwear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can tell that she's going to try and tease Hopi. Mm-hmm. It's kind of moment of nostalgia after they've had a really fun evening at the movie theater and stuff. And, um, no, I think, and that then there's that tension and Maggie's thinking about leaving and stuff. You mm-hmm. absolutely see it in that. But I, I also don't think that there's any, like, you, I, I could feel that romance, that, that love for each other. And at the same time, I'm not worried at all that they would cheat on their, you know, like, yeah. if I were their, you know, whatever, if I was her wife or Hopi's wife or Ray, um, I wouldn't be worried about them cheating on us because it's like, it's not there. It's, it's, it's not aligned that, but there's that residual feeling, you know? Yeah. Well, there's also the, the comments a couple people make about all the drama in their relationship. Oh, they're fighting again. Right. It's what it's one of the things everyone remembers about them as a couple from years ago. So they were like those, you know, you probably had friends like this when you were younger too, who like they would always couple up and then they'd break up and they'd come together and break up. And after a while, you're like, make up your goddamn minds already. Too much mm-hmm. of the drama, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure there are people. <laughs> but at yeah. the same time, they're probably like that. Well, they are. They're truly like best friends because they've been through experiences that no one else has gone through mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean I, I don't see how they can't stay friends but also you know especially hopi i think more than maggie just is really you know drawn to her family life mm-hmm. yeah Good stuff. And then there's a, I was going to ask you, um, so with Speedy being in there, did that bring up any past feelings about the Speedy? Is it Speedy? Yeah, Speedy gets mentioned. Yeah, it's the, well, the, the death of Speedy is just one of the most traumatic things ever happened to Maggie. Mm-hmm. And it's a, a, one of the best classic Love and Rocket storylines mm-hmm. and how that affects everybody. Yeah, I mean, there's so much more kind of in that illusion that to see him there walking around, yeah, it's a little like, you know, it's it's like seeing, I don't know, your brother or someone who's been killed and, and suddenly see a video of him. It, it's got so much more resonance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was also interesting seeing Hopi's brother so much in the book. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, and he seems so different from Hopi. He came in from Iowa, they're religious, or his kids went to religious camp, all this stuff. Like it, it, it's it's such a weird combination. Like, how did he go in that direction? Mm-hmm. And he looks like such a bro. Joey just looks like such a bro. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was so I, I, that that's the chubby guy, right? With the black shirt. 
Yeah, on page 33, yeah. they're chatting with him. Yeah, yeah. Maggie's got her hand on his belly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is like a really sweet kind of intimate friend kind of thing, right? They've known each other for 30 years, so Maggie's just giving that little tease, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This the brilliance of Jaime, right? Mm -hmm. That little tiny gesture means so much. God, his art's so good. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't even know how to talk about it. It's so good. I mean, I'm not, I feel like I'm not qualified. You know, we, you, you like Toth, I know too, right? Yeah, yeah. And like, to me, he's like the ultimate in what Toth was going for. Mm -hmm. There's no line out of place. Every line is perfect. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the thing I keep, like, I keep going back and looking at his work and just seeing so much in the details and the perfection. This is the theme we've been, we've been talking about since we've been talking about graphic novels, is like these artists who are so much at the top of their game. So like, think about the way he's portraying Izzy on page 34. Mm -hmm. And she's always in silhouette, right? It's a classic eight panel grid. Mm -hmm. Maggie's peeing in the bushes, so she's in silhouette. And then Izzy comes walking over and mm -hmm. we get her twice in silhouette and then a back view only, and then her face in shadows and then walking away under a spotlight, street light. So we get this idea that Izzy is a person who's on the edge of everything, on the periphery. Maggie has a connection to her because they're both seen in silhouette in separate panels but that there's this connection they just can't make, right? Mm -hmm. the, um, the seventh panel on page 34, Izzy's face is in shadows and Maggie's face is in the light. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that says something about where they are in their lives and, mm -hmm. and uh, what they would, what they're getting out of the, this experience with each other. Maggie's open, Izzy's closed for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And Izzy's the one who really sees through them. You two didn't have one of your silly falling outs. Mm -hmm. And he calls her Perla too, not Maggie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Izzy's another just really interesting character, right? We see her in the flashbacks, and she really is active with everything. There's a great story, uh, "Flies in the Ceiling," which might be the greatest story Jaime ever drew, in Love and Rockets Twenty Nine, about Izzy's experiences in Mexico after she has an illegal abortion. Mm. That's um, incredible in terms of like fleshing out her character mm. like it's in a collection called flies on the ceiling oh. um but anyway yeah um like and even if you look at the first panel on that same page like he's only got these very small or very quickly sketched images of people's faces at the party but every face looks different mm -hmm. yeah It's pretty cool. I'm wondering, like, you know how like Toth has like, no, no, no Wally Wood has the twenty, the twenty-one panels. I wonder if like one of the panels is Maggie taking the dump <laughs> with the silhouette. <laughs> so at the very beginning, you you mentioned the ending. You love the ending. I want to make sure we come back to that. Oh yeah, I mean, I think. But what I mean by ending, it's everything just makes sense. As the book ends, you're like, okay, cool. Like I, um, it just, everything has closure, you know? 
-hmm. and even the last scene with um last few pages like the you know third to last with um um with speedy you know where she kisses speedy and then you know that creepy guy invites her into the like you know the creepy fat dude that sells drugs you know so you want to come in i'm not gonna you know and then and then she almost goes in and you're like don't don't go in don't go in and then she gets saved by like her friend you know like izzy's gonna take him to the concert oh yeah let's go to the concert and then you know there's like that's what i wanted to mention there's she's always in danger and something happened or like and then the last page where like their friend is at the mall and not at the mall at the grocery store like you know trying to get like paper towels you know <laughs> yeah I'm just talking about like the band that you know the band that was like supposedly like indie that no one else knows about is now playing at like Safeway or like you know, right. the, 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 yeah yeah Daffy who's the mom to all the old punkers who has helped everyone go through uh rehab because of her experiences in the AA and NA Mm -hmm. so she's the one who happens to be walking through the store too and you know she's obviously with her husband and they have this just moment of kind of cute nostalgia mm -hmm. it was cool to see her daughter too at the shows and stuff didn't, didn't that just strike you as just a sweet moment mm -hmm. she's just sharing her experiences her daughter's going to have a better life in terms of like staying off drugs and stuff because Got the parental stamp of approval. Yeah, yeah. And it's books like this that really shake me up. Mm -hmm. Because I always think, you know, I see myself in these characters too, my experiences and my old friends, and um, think about then the people who I know who are, you know, my age or whatever age, and all the experiences we've all been through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you may be strangers on the street, but you're all carrying around your own life experiences. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, it's kind of weirdly humbling, I guess. But universal? Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. How does, this, how does a book like this make you feel? You, you had a pretty unique childhood, I think. I mean, I, I really enjoy it. I actually think, like, this is like a superhero book because in a sense that like this stuff doesn't happen didn't have i don't know any of my friends from when i was this age like i know maybe one and i the only other people is like through facebook in the most boring fashion mm -hmm. but it's like you get to kind of but he's such a great storyteller in my and it's like that's what storytelling is like you know this is a fantastical story set in everyday life yeah. Like, okay. I, I I was I was never part of like you know I did you know I've done comedy I've done this I've done that I've done you know when I was in high school or college you know even my college friends like they're all married and have kids and we never get get together like this there's never a reunion and maybe after the pandemic we'll have something but like but it's just beautiful to read something like this because I really identify with it even though this is a story that like I shouldn't really be identifying with. This is like, you know, two women uh, from, you know, uh, I, I hope he isn't Hispanic. Is she or is she, she is? She is, right? I think so. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. like two folks that I don't really, I mean, I've never been in a punk band, you know, that kind of stuff. But like, 
and my friends we don't really hang out together we don't have reunions but it's just like it's like oh yeah yeah i identify with that you know i identify like there are parts of that it's that skeleton of humanity that the 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 foundation of the story is built on humanity and characters and then and experiences and that's that's what Jaime is great at aside from the fact that probably being like one of the top five ten artists of all time in comics I think you put that really well Amir really like what you said somehow somehow he he's able to create works that's universal right Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't matter if you're Iranian American or Mexican American or Jewish American like I am Mm -hmm. Um, these experiences these are universal experiences Mm -hmm. he somehow is able to make them not just about the characters but make them something larger right yeah and I'm glad that they put them in the collections because I think it's a lot more it's it's more enjoyable to read it that way to me like reading them in single issues i buy single issues because i just love it i need to have it i need to have more jaime and more <laughs> in my life but um but i think i'm glad that they put them in the collections as well and i'll double dip gladly yeah i'm so glad we got to read this yeah me too you messaged me after last week or last time we talked and you're like you've already read it like I started reading five, I started reading it. I just could not put this book down. Yeah, I, I have to read it in parts, which is what I like it in that way, kind of like how we read issues too. But but I like the fact that I know that there's going to be a conclusion, you know? Yeah. Thanks, Amir. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. Oh, thank you.